Okay, there we should be. Amen. Happy Mother's Day. How about this? Christ is risen. <laughs> Amen. He truly has. So on this day, we honor mothers. That's what we're going to do today. And uh, just wanted to share a few things. Um, mothers. You know, last night as I was sitting there and uh, putting the finishing touches on this, I couldn't help but think of uh, of my mom. And I posted the picture of a time we spent, just her and I. And, and uh, it was a time when she had come back from, from Phoenix. And the picture was, uh, uh, we stopped at... Um, and Leighton, and she had never eaten at a at a uh, Red Lobster. Always wanted to, but just never did. And uh, so I took her, and we just enjoyed the time. And she had she had dealt with some things, pains, sufferings, and things in her past um, from long ago that she'd never really dealt with. And others around her um, helped her to be able to realize that she needed to do that. And so when she did, she came back. She was in pretty deep, uh, deep thought, but uh, we enjoyed that time. And the reason I share that with you is because uh, one of the things about motherhood is this innate and intrinsic um, thing that God has put within mothers to give themselves away, if you will. Um, it's just one of those things that mom put aside all those pains and that suffering and all the things that she had to endure, she put all that stuff aside and just raised her kids and uh, didn't really dealt, deal with it until the last few years of her life. And, and that's an important thing because God has seemingly designed um, women in a different way than He's designed men. And one of the biggest ways, the biggest differences is just the way that they're relational. They think on a different level, in a totally different way. And to us guys, it's like crazy. It's wackadoo. We don't understand it. We don't get it. Um, so, but it's just one of the differences that God has instituted and God has meant. And unfortunately, in today's society, there's, there's so much confusion. There's so many people that have been led astray by the spirit of the age, and it's uh, illogical, irrational, and um, just inane nonsense that that they keep spewing out there to the children. And they try to reach them younger and younger because they know that the younger that you reach the children, the easier it is to change the next generation or two. And one of the things that, that uh, um, from back in, for the last probably 60, 50 years, the a radical uh, leftist feminist movement arose. And essentially what they were their hope was, was they wanted to be, quote-unquote, equal with men. Well, here's the thing. Men are meant to be different, and women are meant to be different. And see, if you don't come from a uh, biblical and from a godly worldview, you cannot understand that. There's just no way that you can. And so you go with whatever you're taught. And if you're taught early enough, um, this will happen. How many of us have have uh, watched children, and you can learn a lot from watching children. And when you watch children, I've, I've seen little, tiny, infant little girls that are just barely able to walk. And they have this instinct within them, when you give them this little baby doll, automatically, they just automatically begin to mother that thing. 
from when they're tiny. Nobody teaches it to them. They just instinctively know. It's one of those things where God seemingly has designed women specifically for this purpose. And, you know, on, on this Sunday, we honor the fact that there are differences and that God has made women differently. It's, God, it's part of God's design. It's part of what glorifies God. I mean, I want you to think about this, that, that what God has made and the different roles that men and women play, especially in the lives of children, um, that is God's instituted plan for mankind. That is what He has given us so that we can know Him better. It glorifies Him. It magnifies Him. It exalts Him when we fall into those roles that He has instituted without trying to fight it and change it. Um, a, a couple days ago, I, I, I was on uh, Facebook and I saw a, a brother of mine, a dear brother in the, in the Lord, and, and he's reading this book and he was all excited. And, and uh, you know, I, I'm, I, I looked up the, uh, um, the author I can't remember her name right off the top of my head, but I get worried when I see young young men of God who start reading these books that are written by, um, for lack of a better way of explaining it, uh, this this feminist movement even within the church. And when I see that, I get distressed. And I get a little bit anxious because once you start buying into this philosophy, and, and, and there's a seven-minute video of this woman that is um, proclaiming this book and the, the good things about it. And one of the things that right in the middle of the seven-minute video, right about the four, one thing I do remember was the time. It's about four minutes and 28 seconds into this video into about five minutes into the video. She really hits the crux of what this whole book is about. And she's, she's wrote, write, writing about the Bible from a, from a feminist point of view. She's been pretty solid for the most part, but in this book, she says this. She goes, you know, I, I, I think about how does, what's the feminine role in all this, in this Bible? Did the men just write it just for the, you know, just from a masculine point of view and so on? And she, she gives these points for the purpose of this book. And I'm like, just, just go back and listen to yourself at that point. And you'll see that what you're asking is not a legitimate question. Because what they do is they take this book and they make it like any other book and then they just examine it as if it's any other book. She's totally missed the point. Rather than looking at it from a male versus female or masculine versus feminine or um, feminist versus uh, you know misogynist point of view, she should, as a Christian, ask the question, why did God give this to us and... How can we better know it? And instead, she's trying to pick it apart from this humanistic, you know, and she's, she's a graduate. She's got these degrees and she's all studied up and everything. And I'm, I'm, I'm just being real honest with you guys right now. I've, I've been around a lot of women in my Christian walk that have that. And once you go to university, unless you go in right thinking, you're going to come out left thinking. It's just the way that it is. Um, and it changes the roles and the dynamics that men and women play because they're trying to somehow manipulate it. And that's what I got from the whole 
from the little video that I watched of this woman that wrote this book, and I'm concerned about brothers who who are influenced by these types of things. If you're reading it to critique it, to look at it, to understand, that's one thing. But if you're looking at it for information, that's scary. Because there's nothing wrong with males being masculine, and there's nothing wrong with females being feminine. They're supposed to be. And that's the beauty of it. That's the way God has designed us. So as we honor the highest role, and yes, it is the highest role. I want to read to you a, um, a quote from the former first lady, um, and it's not to besmirch her, okay? That's not the reason. It's just she's the most current one that has spoken about this, and it, uh, again, I want to drive that home. It's not to uh, make her, put her in a bad light or anything like that. It's just, this is the philosophy that is out there, even by women who claim to be Christians. This is a philosophy that has been adopted into the church. Uh, this is one of the reasons why the Southern Baptist Convention is so um, in a tizzy right now, because of this ideology that is driving itself into it. And instead of men being men and playing the roles of men in the church, um, they're, uh, they're acquiescing their roles as men to be able to stand on the Word of God and say, no, this is what it says, and, and that's just the way that it is. Um, and I want to quote this. This is former First Lady Michelle Obama, um, and uh, it's uh, in a Netflix special, Becoming is the name of the thing. This is what she said when she described the birth of her own children, Sasha and Malia, as a concession she made uh, that came at the expense of her aspirations and dreams. Um, and this is one of the things that women as young girls are being taught more and more in schools, to focus on their aspirations, on their dreams. And it's nearly non-existent for them to be taught that one of the dreams and aspirations should be motherhood. It's career. It's education. It's all these other things. Climbing up the corporate ladder. It's all these things that the world would have women believe are the most important things. And unfortunately... When you denigrate something and you put it on a lower level, what happens to the heart and to the mind of people who have been taught all their lives to do that? To put something on the lower shelf, to put something as not to be looked at as something to be um, aspired to. Well, it begins to be put aside. And you begin to to make these human beings who are fighting against the very thing that God has designed them for. Um, so we honor the highest role. And what is that high, highest role? I mean, the role that, that any woman can aspire to. What is that? Is that President of the United States? Is that the highest role? How about a CEO of, a, of the largest corporations in the world or... Business entrepreneur, owner of her own successful business and enterprise. Is that the highest goal? Is that the highest role that she can play? 
How about one who aspires to be a scientist and discovers cures for all kinds of things? Is that the highest role? A lot of people in the audience would be saying, yeah. People that might be listening online might be saying, well, yeah, those are, those are important things. And I'm not saying they're not. How about a lawyer? How about a doctor? How about an officer in one of the armed services, a university professor, etc.? We could go on and on and on. Are those the highest roles that a woman can play in our society? In a godly sense and in God's economy, the answer is a most definite no. I mean, think about it. Women are designed differently. You're different emotionally. You're different psychologically. You're different physiologically. You're made specifically with the um, capacity to be able to have these amazing, miraculous um, things that go on within your body when you do carry a child. You're designed for that. That is what God has intended for, for women to do, and it's something to celebrate. And that's what I want to get to. It's something that we should celebrate and not something that we should denigrate. And unfortunately, when, when you, I've seen too many and you've seen, uh, Hollywood portrays this all the time. And the, uh, you know, the ones that are climbing the corporate ladder who have no children and have no interest in children and have no interest in any of those things and, and is just simply looking after their own careers and so on and so forth, they're made to be look like they're the ones that are the important people. They're the ones who got it together. They're the ones who we should aspire to. Those are the ones that we should look to, the, the uh, um, I can't remember her name, uh, Ruth uh, Ginsburg, the uh, uh, Supreme Court judge. You know, the, These are the women that you should aspire to. Um, and it's not to say that they, there's some of them that aren't mothers and so on and so forth. But what are they sacrificing? And the point of this is God has intended for men to play a role and women to play a role. And we're going to look at that a little bit um, this morning as we go through this, or this afternoon now. We've switched into the afternoon. Um, these are great things that women can aspire to. There's nothing wrong with them. Um, but it's not the highest and it's not the most esteemed calling for the woman. And of course, I'm speaking of motherhood. That is the highest role that a woman can play. I want to read this quote from uh, um, from uh, uh, Michelle Obama, and this is what she said about the uh, about her her life experience. She says, "My relationship with Barack was all about our equal partnership." She said in the documentary. If I was going to have a unique voice with this very opinionated man, I had to get myself up and set myself off to a place where I was going to be his equal. But it was the birth of the couple's children that put a wrench in Michelle's plans and changed their marriage. And she says this, and I quote, The thing that really changed it was the birth of our children. I wasn't really ready for that. I don't know too many women that are. There are some that are, okay? But when it happens, sometimes you're not ready for what's to come. There's, there's, there's no handbook. There's, there's no buyer's guide. There's, 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 no, there's none of that. 
You don't have an owner's manual for those things. You just got to play it by ear. I mean, I listened to a, um, to a uh, it was on Focus on the Family, I think it was, and I can't remember the name of the lady's name, but she was one of these corporate people. She didn't have her first child until she was 31. And she was very much a control freak, and she admitted it. She's one of those type of A-type personalities. She says, man, when you have kids, they don't know about any of that stuff. They don't care who you are. They wake you up in the middle of the night, sometimes several times a night. And all the plans and all the stuff and all the lists that I had always been accustomed to were just out the window. They don't come with instruction. They just, they're just they just different, and it changes your life, and it has changed her life. And she loves the fact that she's a mother. She's a Christian woman, and she was, she was lauding the, um, the effects of her children uh, with laughter. I mean, she was looking at, she said, some of this stuff, you just got to look back and laugh because all the things you thought you had in control and how you were so, you know, you had everything on your lists and everything, you know, when they get a little bit older, then you can reuse, utilize some of that stuff. But when they're first born, it's, it's a wrench thrown into the whole gear system and it changes you. She said, that's the thing that really changed. It was the birth of our children. It, uh, re- I really wasn't ready for it. That really made it harder, she said. Something had to give. And it was my aspirations and dreams. Um, I made that concession not because he said you have to quit your job, but it felt like I can't do all of this, so I have to tone down my aspirations. I have to dial it back, the former first lady added. And you know, it's not a bad thing. The, The thing that I want you to notice is the aspirations of today's woman, for the most part in our culture, is not focused on child rearing. It's not. It's not a valued thing. The nuclear family is is one that's waning, and it's because of so many different uh, um, things that uh, culture has brought in and inculcated to all the the uh, culture. And some women are just having babies just to get more money to come in from the government. It's just a fact. They're not being taught from an early age the value of motherhood. They're not taught their value as women, not truly women. They're taught that you have to be more like men instead in order to be a woman in the culture and be important and influential and so on and so forth. But yet you have these instincts. You know, how many of us have seen these little, these little girls and, and uh, these things that instinctively we, we see them act out. Um, I want to read from a, uh, um, from a, it's a website that I pulled off of. It's called Science Daily. Uh, the article Science News, it's called Infants Prefer Toys Typed to Their Gender, says a study. So you have totally secular scientists that are doing a study. Children as young as nine months old prefer to play with toys specific to their own gender. Imagine that. Nine months old, and they're already making choices based upon the fact that you're male or a female. As early as nine months, they tested them. 
And essentially what they do without reading this whole article is they brought groups of children in different, uh, from nine months to 15 months in different age, the different age groups that they did. And they just simply put them in a room and they put the toys on two separate areas. And they had one uh, area that was kind of a little bit uh, uh, gender neutral. The majority of girls played with girl stuff. Every time. The boys played with boy stuff. Every time. They were astounded. Apparently they've never read this book or understood it. That's what we should expect, right? We should expect little boys to be little boys and little girls to be little girls. And yet we still have the, the, uh, um, we have the spirit of the age that tries to confuse the children. Instead of letting them be what they are, trying to confuse them and, and make them make choices when they're little tiny kids who have no business even being thinking about that. And they're being influenced to make choices that they have no business making and confusing children rather than just letting them be what God intended them to be. And of course, you do have those very, very, very rare occasions when there is some chemical imbalance or something that doesn't develop properly and there is some confusion. But for the most part, it's simple. Boys are boys and girls are girls. So what does all this have to do with, uh, with mothers? By the way, that was a study, and if you want to, to read it, I'll let you read that little article. It's not too long. Um, but it's, uh, it was from uh, 2016, so not that long ago. Every time they do one of these studies, guess what they find? The same thing. They find the same thing, unless they kind of manipulate the whole thing so that it doesn't happen. So Mrs. Obama had... Her aspirations and her desires, she had to put them aside, she said. Um, and that's not a bad thing, because you're choosing to raise your children. And that's a good thing. And so that's why I said, I'm not trying to disparage, I'm just, this is what she said, and this is what, um, when you're influenced by the culture around you, especially as Christian women, you might forget that God has a different view of things. That God has a different intention. And God has a different way of doing things. So, with that being said, I want to uh, um, spend some time here. If you would, turn with me to, to the book of Titus. We don't spend a lot of time in Titus, but it's an important book. It's in the New Testament. Um And we're going to be in chapter 2. Verses 3 through 5. It's on page 1230, if you're wondering. <laughs> yeah. Titus, <laughs> Titus chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. And this is what Paul has, um, has uh, written, um, if we're all there. I want to read this and then... Uh, We'll uh, go into a little time of prayer, and then we'll, we'll continue. Paul writes this to, to Titus, and he says this. He says, older women, likewise. Um, actually, let's just read from, from verse 1. But as for you, speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine. Because that's important. That's what we're talking about here, sound doctrine. Okay. So he's writing to them, saying, 
do this, speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine. That's an important thing. It's one of the things that we're told in more than one occasion for us as Christians to be able to pursue is sound doctrine. Okay? Sound doctrine would be according to what? Our own opinions, our own likings, dislikings? Be according to what is written. Yes, according to the apostles' teaching. That's right. According to what is written to us. And then he says an older men are to be temperate. Don't be grumpy. <laughs> Don't be that grumpy old dude. Dignified. <laughs> We're in trouble here. Um, sensible. Sound in faith. In love and in perseverance. So you're going to go through some stuff. Just deal with it, okay? Deal with it like a man. Then he says this, and I want to focus on this. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent. Not irreverent, to be reverent. Maybe even excitingly reverent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're to be reverent. That's what it says in their behavior. Not malicious gossips not enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good. And, verse 4, that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be dishonored. Important role. Grandmothers, of course, have had their children, and their children are raised, and they have grandchildren now. He's saying to the older women, this is what you're to do. You're to teach them. Because somebody had to teach you, and if they didn't, you had to learn. And don't make it so hard on the young women. Teach them. Teach them how to do it. Teach them about these things that you've already experienced. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your goodness and your grace. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you, Lord. For our, for our mothers who loved us um, in spite of what and who we are. They loved us when we were horrible and terrible. They loved us um, when we were hurt. Um, they kissed our boo-boos and so on and so forth. They um, acted out in their motherhood as, as loving mothers to raise us and to um, uh, make us good, uh, good people to make us good citizens, to make us responsible in those things. And for those who didn't experience that, Lord, I pray that you would just uh, just be with them and, and help them to understand that where their mothers couldn't and weren't able to and weren't equipped to do that, that they would still honor their mothers. Father, we uh, thank you that you are um, good, glorious, and that you've intended certain things and that when we... Um, fall into those roles and we accept those roles and we enjoy those roles and we uh, practice them in, in, uh, in a joyful way uh, that we will, we will receive and we will um, enjoy the blessings of those roles that you've given us to, to uh, play and um, that you would be glorified. For you are indeed glorified and exalted in all these things and we thank you. We pray that you would just uh, be with mothers today everywhere and strengthen them, encourage them. I pray that you would change our culture, Lord. Um, 
pray that you would just help people to know and understand the importance, the beauty, and the wonder of motherhood, and um, that it is the highest role that a woman can play. Father, we thank you, we praise you in Jesus' holy name. Amen. So Paul talks to them and says, look, this is what I want older women to do, um, and I want to do it. And notice the things that he says. I want, to, I want you to do this to, so that you can be reverent you can, uh, in their behavior, not malicious gossip. So he's giving them direct things to deal with their own issues, right? Make sure you're not doing these things. Um, teaching what is good. What is, it, what is it that they are to be teaching? That they may encourage the young women to love their husbands. That's one of the most important roles or one of the important things that a mother can do. The most important thing apart from first loving God is loving your husband. That is the first, that's the very first human primary thing that a woman is to do in the marriage is to love her husband and to respect her husband. When the woman does that, what is she doing exampling to her children? A godly woman. A godly woman. And they see that. And kids are like ear magnets. When they're playing or doing whatever, they're listening to all the stuff that's going on. And if you don't think that they don't, that they don't hear you, uh, you're sadly mistaken. They hear everything. They take it all in. And they're listening. And kids have this ability to, to know when we're hypocrites. They have this ability to know that. They need stability. They need to know that what you're telling them is what you're living. And when you example this thing, this is one of the most primary things for women to, to be able to love and respect their husband. That's one of the most important parts or roles that you can play in being a mother. And the other thing, if you're a single mom, is to just um, pay attention to that child. Teach them the things of God. Live in a way that can be exemplified and that they can look to because it builds stability in their lives. I've shared this with you before that uh, um, my son, who is a, who's a, Christ, he's a young Christian man that lives in another city just, you know, hundred or so miles away. And he, said, uh, on one occasion, we were just chatting, and he said one of the things that has, he believes that has caused him or, or given him that desire to really see that Christianity really is true and that God does change people. He's, he said, I've seen you when in your BC era, when you were an alcoholic, and I've seen you change. And it's changes that you attributed to God doing in your life, and you've not waned from that. You've continued on. He saw an example. And this is uh, someone who was, um, we're talking in his uh, probably 14, 15 years old. When he saw this change, 12 or 13 when I first started, and he saw this change and just witnessed it. It's an example. Kids need that. They desire that deep within them. They may not act like it. They may like, act like teenagers <laughs> and throw their, you know, roll their eyes and have their attitudes, but they really do. And so he says, older women, um, they're to teach the, the 
to encourage the young women to love their husbands. Secondly, to love their children. It's okay to love your child. Love that child. Don't be a helicopter mom. Don't do everything for them. That means sometimes, and this is, you know, I, I talked about this a while back. I, I remember listening to this lady who had, uh, um, she had children and, and she was trying to understand the differences between men and, and, and women. And she's somebody who studies that, but and, and from a Christian point of view. And she said, one of the things as a woman that I struggled with is when my husband would take my son or one of my sons and do manly things with them. Teach them how to use a chainsaw. She said, that just, I was terrified. I was terrified. And I didn't want them to do it. This is my child. But I had to resign myself because God says to let the men teach young boys how to be men. And that means doing some pretty crazy stuff. said, even when my husband helped one of my sons put a motor on, a, on a, a skateboard. I hate that idea, she said. That's terrifying to me. But they had fun. And he learned that sometimes you're going to take a fall, a spill, you're going to scrape your knees, and you're going to be all right. But that's what men do. They take chances. They take those kinds of chances, and it's just one of those things. And as women, we have to learn to resign ourselves, she said. So there's different roles to play, and it's okay. You have to be able to love your children. Love those children. Um, but the love of your children comes secondarily, and this is going to be kind of controversial, it comes secondarily to the love of your husband and the love of your God. That comes first. So what I'm saying here is the children come third. For women, that's difficult. I've seen and heard of a lot of marriages that fall apart because the women are so focused on their children and rearing the children, they've forgotten about their husbands. And the relationship falls apart. It's a hard thing. But motherhood is, is, is wonderful, it's amazing, but it's also difficult. It's hard work. And like what, what Mrs. Obama said, sometimes you have to give up certain things. And women do. They do give up a lot. I want to read this, uh, these uh, uh, quotes from some of our presidents um, concerning women. President Theodore Roosevelt said, When all is said and done, it is the mother and the mother only who is a better citizen even than the soldier who fights for his country. She is the one supreme asset of national life. She is more important by far than the most successful statesman or businessman or artist or scientist. He had the same mindset. He had a godly mindset. He understood that the role of the mother um, is one of the supreme roles that we must play, that women must play, and that their more their importance is the valued above gold. It's valuable. You're valuable. You're worth it. Um, our first president, George Washington, he said, the greatest teacher I ever had was my mother. And we're talking about somebody who could write. If you've ever read some of George Washington's writing, the man was a very intelligent man. 
He was very well spoken. He had a large vocabulary. He was a smart dude. And he said, the greatest teacher I ever had was my mom. His mom was a Christian woman. And if it wasn't for his mom, guess what? We wouldn't have a General George Washington or a President George Washington. He was on the plank to go up on a ship to go fight for the British. But his mom interceded. And his mom said, no, don't do this. And it turned him. And he came to fight for the Americans. God was in the details doing what he do. It was an important thing. And he said, the greatest teacher I ever had was my mother. President Abraham Lincoln said, God bless my mother. All that I am or ever hope to be, I owe to her. And finally, President Ronald Reagan said, from my mother, I learned the value of prayer. That's an important thing. Sometimes that's the greatest things that mothers can teach their children. The value of prayer. The wonder of prayer. The splendor of it. I mean, think about it. Like we uh, um, talked about a little bit and prayed about on, on Thursday on the National Day of Prayer. We get to pray on behalf of our nation. On behalf of our people. And we get to come before the King of the universe who's in control of it all. And He welcomes us. Mothers can teach this to their children. From my mother, I learned the value of prayer, how to have dreams, and believe I could make them come true. Important stuff. So the New Testament teaches in, in, uh, um, in Titus these very things. I want to spend a little bit of time before we're done here um, in Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31 is that uh, famous... When it comes to Mother's Day, when it comes to women's um, conferences and so on and so forth, the Proverbs 30, 31 woman, she's, she's either um, somebody who you look up to and admire or she's somebody that you absolutely hate because uh, the bar is set pretty high. And so I want to begin in reading uh, from uh, Proverbs 31 in verse 10. And this is uh, Lemuel, his mother, teaching him this thing. You see, mothers can teach young men things. One thing that I want to make a distinction, though, is uh, for those single parents, one of the things that, that uh, um, whether you're a single mom or you're a single dad, one of the things that, that you have to understand is, is be the best mother if you're a woman. Be the best mother that you can be. But don't try to fulfill that role of father because you can't. Not possible. I've heard of people, and if you're a single dad raising your kids, be the best dad that you can be, but don't try to fulfill the role of the mother. You can't. It's impossible. I've heard people that are from that. I had to be both my um, somebody I dearly love, very close to, that said, well, I had to be the mother and father to, to, my, to my children. And it's like, no, no, you can only be the mother. That's it. Because you don't think like a man. You don't do things like a man. So you have to understand. You have to have men in their lives so that they can understand and how they can learn how to become men. Men who are uh, men of integrity, men who are hardworking, men who are going to do what's right and who are going to honor their mother and are going to honor um, God in a godly way. 
And that's one of the things that we have to understand in the roles that we play and the important roles that you play is mothers, be the best mothers that you can be. And let men in, in, uh, that, are, that are trustworthy, that are men of integrity, that are not going to harm anything, let them play a role in the life of your children so that they can see that there's a difference. And it's, it's one of the dangers that we see in, in, the, uh, um, in this whole Alice in Wonderland uh, ideology of, of homosexuals being together and trying to adopt and raise kids. They're robbing that child of seeing what a relationship is between a man and a woman. They're robbing that child of an experience. And I'm not just speaking this from my own point of view. I'm speaking this from grown adult people who were raised in those situations who said that themselves. You don't understand, they said. You don't understand seeing all the boys and girls in school with their moms and their dads and me having no clue, they would say, what that was about. Because this is all I ever knew. And I just somehow intrinsically knew inside that there was something not right with this. Kids know. And they think about these things deeply. They don't share them. They don't. But they see that. And that's the danger of those things. That's one of the reasons why the roles that we play as, as, uh, um, as men and women, they glorify God because this is what He's intended. So in Romans 31, uh, excuse me, Proverbs 31, it reads as following, starting from verse 10. And Lemuel's mother says this, an excellent wife who can find, for her worth is above jewels. Your worth is above gold. You're valued more than gold. And it says, and remember that the wife, the most important role that the wife plays is as a good wife to her husband, to respect and to love, but also as a mother. And it says in verse 11, the heart of her husband trusts in her. That's a woman who's loving and respecting her husband. And he will have no lack of gain. Um, You can build that man in your life. And you can make him either more successful or less successful. You have that kind of a power because you're relational. And you can coax that into a person. Not nag them into it. There's a difference. You can learn how to develop those things in them. And then it says... Uh, the heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have uh, no lack of gain. She does him good all, uh, and not evil all the days of her life. Let me read that again. She does him good and not evil all the days of his life. You want a successful man? Do him good, not evil. She's industrious. She's not idle. Verse 13 says she looks for wool and flax. She's purposeful in that. She's looking for her to keep herself busy and works with her hands in delight. That's important. To delight in doing those things. That's exulting, by the way, in your femininity and your ability to do those things. That's what that is. And, and that's the way that God intended it. And then he says, she is like a merchant ship. Or she is like merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She's a good cook. She has a good, she's developed a good palate. She watched her mama cook, her grandmama cook, 
and she's learned. Um, and she brings food from afar. That's Your food's not boring. It's not just mac and cheese all the time. It's good stuff. Sometimes it's just hamburger with a, some uh, potatoes and just a little few spices in there. And it's good. And man, kids dig that stuff. And they remember that all their lives. I know. I'm, I know what I'm speaking of because I'm speaking of sometimes when times were tough, mom found a way to make stuff with what little we had. And it was tasty. And it was good. And we didn't go hungry. She does that. She brings it from her far. Uh, she brings it from, from her, you know, her ingenuity and just, hey, I know this tastes good, this tastes good, this tastes good. Let's try this combo together. And boom, sometimes it's your favorite meal. She rises also while it is still night. So it's not a, not a late, not a late sleeper. None of this noontime sleeping stuff. She's up early. She's moving around. She's, she's ready to go. She's up early. She rises while it is still night and gives food to her household and portions to her handmaidens. She considers a field and buys it. So she's industrious and she's looking for ways to, hey, you know what? If I can grow my own vegetables, I can feed my kids and I can sell what's left over, I could trade it. She's a capitalist. She's looking for ways to, to, to broaden the family's influence. And also it says that she's, she's looking to do these things. She, she sees a field, she considers it, and she buys it. And from her earnings, she plants a vineyard. Well, she's making money. She's a capitalist. This is a, this is a, a mother and a, and a wife. It's okay to be that way. Yeah. And then it says, for she girds herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She's, she's doing all this work and, and uh, her, she's not just laying around taking selfies of herself all day long. She's actually working, doing things, profitable things, good things. And she's loving her children. She's, she's, she's making them better citizens. She says, he says here, or she says here in verse 18, she senses that her gain is good. Her lamp does not go out at night. She's up early. She goes to bed late. Sometimes moms do that. Sometimes they have to. And it's a good thing. How they, how some of them do it, I don't know. Um, and how some dads do it, I don't know. They just do. We just do what's got to be done. And listen, verse 19. Think about the fields that she's bought and the, the earnings from her, from her vineyard and so on and so forth. It says here in verse 19, she stretches out her hands to the, uh, the distaff and her hands grasp the spindle. She extends her hands to the poor and stretches out her hands to the needy. She's compassionate. She's very feminine because women see that and they can be very compassionate and want to help. They want to help those in distress. This is one of the, the attributes and that's beautiful about the, the way that God's made you all. It says in verse 21, She's not afraid of the snow for her household. Let the snow come. Who cares? For all the household are clothed with scarlet. She knows they're going to be warm. They're taken care of. They got plenty of boots. They got their covering. They're going to be fine. Let them go make snow angels. Let them go play in that stuff. She's taken care of it. She's thought of it. This is planning ahead. She makes coverings for herself, and her clothing is fine linen and purple. So she's not just 
focused on everything else. She's also focused on, I have needs, got to meet them. Here they are. Listen to this. Her husband is known in the gates while he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linens, garments, and sells them and supplies belts to the tradesmen. So now she's looking at stuff outside the house when she's able. Um, Because women can sew, women can do things, women can do other things that some men can't. And so they can make money because men have needs in their trades and things like that. If you can supply something, do it. It's capitalism. (laughs) As much as some people don't want to hear that, it's true. It's capitalism that's being spoken of here. She has strength and dignity in her clothing. And she smiles at the future. She's not worried about that. She smiles. Yeah. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she smiles at the future. She opens her mouth in wisdom. She doesn't just blurt out stuff. She opens her mouth in wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is in her tongue, or on her tongue. This just doesn't go for her, uh, um, for everyone that's around her. This, in particular, is of her children. On her tongue is kindness. Because it says, she looks well to the ways of her household, and she does not eat the bread of idleness. Idleness is terrible. (laughs) It is the devil's playground. Pray that you not find yourself idle. He begins to prey on you like that. Keep yourself busy. Um, It says, her children rise up and bless her. Her husband also, and he praises her, saying, Many daughters have done nobly, but you excel excel them all. You're the best, baby. That's what he's saying. You're the best. Nobody like you. They're all just pale in comparison. You exceed them all, it says. And charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. It's up there on on the screen. Give her the product of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. I want to read this uh, from this uh, sermon from E.F. Brown, writing in a missionary uh, biography. He was asked on one occasion what the church in India, so he's, he's there in India and, and uh, a missionary there, and he was asked what the church in India needs most. Well, he replied in an instant and unequivocally, the church in India needs more grandmothers. Of all the things, that's what he went to first, quickly, unequivocally. said, what the church needs is more grandmothers. Why did he say that? Well, he says the church in India needs more grandmothers, more godly women who have lived out the principles of the book, who have reared their families, who have known a measure of success, albeit having faced the challenges and disappointments and the failures, but then who are able to provide the instruction necessary for young women living in a confused culture and looking for clarity from the Bible. Grandmothers can teach this to the young women. Clarity from what? From Bible. But they're not just talking about the clarity of the Bible. It's from experience. They can teach this. Um, 
a pastor named Walter J. Chantry. He wrote in one of his sermons, The High Call of Motherhood was the name of the, of the sermon. This is just a little snippet of it. He says, what is involved in motherhood? After birth pangs bringing children into this world, there comes years of life pangs. It is a mother's task and a privilege to oversee the forging of a personality in her sons and daughters. For this, she must set a tone in the home which builds strong character. And by the way, as children that are small, they spend most of their time with their mothers. They set the tone. Women are house builders. They're home builders. The men are the house builders. The women are the home builders. And they spend time with them. And it says that they set the tone in the home which builds strong character. Hers it is to take great Christian principles and practically apply them in everyday affairs. Do it simply and naturally. Doing it simply and naturally. It is her responsibility to analyze each child. Now, this is going to get tough. He says it is her responsibility to analyze each child mentally, physically, socially, spiritually. Talents are to be developed. Virtues are to be instilled. Faults are to be patiently corrected. Young sinners are to be evangelized. She's building men and women for God. Results may not be visible until she has labored for 15 or 20 years. Even when her task ends, the true measure of work awaits the full maturity of her children. Moses would be much more than an Egyptian rebel and an obscure shepherd. But Jacobed or Jacobed, would not live to observe the consequences of her motherhood. Even though that child was taken away from her for a moment, she made it possible to raise and rear this child, or Moses may have been something totally different. If a godly mother is to succeed at this task, she must be a woman filled with faith, love, Holiness. These must not be occasional, but consistent qualities in accordance with 1 Timothy 2.15. It is no wonder that women spurn this task. Those are some tough qualifications so far. He says, it's no wonder that women spurn this task, preferring the halls of government, the materialistic empire, or the busy office. There is no more demanding work in all the world, no more awe-inspiring job description than raising a godly seed. It will challenge all the genius, talent, and grace that any human being could possess. Should women be educated? Assuredly, the moral educators, psychologists, spiritual shepherds, and advisors of future generations must be well-trained. So education is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. The question is, what are you being educated in? Because you can be educated all the way to imbecility. Or you can be educated in a godly way. 
It says this, women's hope, the church's hope, the world's hope is joined in childbearing with continuance in faith, love and holiness. Young women, here is a lifelong calling. It is the highest any woman can enter. There is much more to it than the worldly images. Take it seriously. God will bless the generation to come. Work at it spiritually. And the Lord will give you the liberation you desire. Someday the glamour girls who leave their children in a nursery will reap their reward. They will sit in their plush houses holding fat bank accounts and will look with envy at the godly seed. This is why Proverbs 10.1 tells those who are children that a foolish son is a heaviness to his mother. Immorality is a public shame to the mother of one who breaks God's law. Her whole life is devoted to raising her son and daughter. Father has a career as well as uh, a home, but all mothers' eggs have been placed in one basket. Motherhood could not be a part-time hobby. If you become a fool, you will break your mother's heart. Godly women do not live for kisses and nice little gifts, but to see their children walking with the Lord in righteousness. All of a godly woman's hopes in this world are bound up with the children of her motherhood. God has called you women to be wives, godly wives, to be mothers, godly mothers, to be grandmothers, godly grandmothers. And in all these things, in all these roles, in all these things and parts that you play, that is the most important. That is the key. Just like we started in uh, uh, Philippians, where it's so Christ-centered, Jesus Christ is spoken of and called Jesus Christ time after time after time after. He is a centrality. Godliness is the key. That is the key. And that is the, the, the vision that you should have, this godly vision. To be godly. That is the most important thing that you can do to see your children raised successfully. I put in here some examples of, and I'll, you know, I'll leave you, leave you for, for them for you to read. Uh, Hannah and 1 Samuel uh, chapter 1. It's an amazing story. A woman who was barren, who prayed, and she promised God one thing. You give me a child and I'll give him to you. And it happened. And not only that, but God gave her three sons and two daughters as well. Six children in total that I know of. And she raised her child from afar. She got to visit with them. And she spent those, those first few years of his life pouring into him godliness, teaching him, being that mother that he would never forget. And even though he was dedicated and spent the rest of his life in the temple, she went to see him and every year would bring him his stuff. Um, so that's uh, 1 Samuel 1, the, the entire chapter. Um, in the um, chapter 2, verses 18 through 21 in particular. Eunice is another example of a godly woman. Um, in 1 Timothy Chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. And of course, Mary. Mary, who was visited by an angel and was 
told before she even knew um, anything about being pregnant, who had no way of being able to be pregnant. She hadn't been with a man, her beloved. And yet she was told, you're going to be a mother. She asked that question, which makes sense. How can that be? I've never been with a man. That's not possible. And of course, the angel told her, well, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and He's going to cause this child to be and you will bear this child. And all the wonderful things. And, and, and she, as a, a, the mother, was, was there at the beginning told that she would bear this child. And she did. And in bearing children, women do give a part of themselves to their children. And they suffer from it. And their bodies are never the same. And they deal with that for the rest of their lives. But they do it joyously when they understand from a godly perspective that this is what God has intended. And this is the role that He's given them to enjoy. To be able to, to exalt in it. To exult in the fact that you're a mother. And so we celebrate and we honor you today as women of God. Godly women, we pray. And even godly grandmothers. Speak into those lives of your children and grandchildren, great-grandchildren. Um, do these things to glorify God. And of course, in Mary, it's Luke uh, chapter 1, verses 26 to 38 in particular, where he was, she was told um, that, that there was going to be this child. And as Isaiah said, for unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. And the son that was given, of course, was the very son of God who came and gave his life, who took our sin upon that cross and who paid for that price. And she had to watch as a mother, watch her son endure all that which was foretold. And if you as mothers imagine that, being willing and saying, blessed that she was blessed because God has caused this thing to be. And how she understood that I will be called blessed by generations because of what you have done. She was glorifying God in all that. And imagine what she ended up doing and how she had to go through and endure seeing all those things. But she also got to see the most amazing thing. She saw her son put to death. She saw her son come back to life. And that's what the gospel is. She got to experience it in a way that none of us ever will as a mother. The mother of our Lord and Savior. Imagine that. It's a very high calling. It is the highest calling of the woman in the role apart from being a wife. The wife is on a different, little bit different level. Like I said, first God, your husband, then your children, and then everybody else. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Again, we thank you, Lord, for, for mothers, for motherhood. We thank you for the, for the godly calling that you've placed in the lives of women. Oh, Lord, I pray that you would just work in your church and, and this, uh, message would be understood, not just by, um, uh, not just by the women, but by all in the church, that we would understand the importance of it. 
that we would come alongside our wives and our, our mothers and and uh, Father, that you would just work in the hearts and minds of godmothers and grandmothers and and uh, and mothers and help them, help them to desire to be godly so that their children would prosper and that we might change the world because of your gospel that is instilled into them like you did with Timothy through these uh, godly women, his grandmother and his mother Eunice. And we thank you, Lord, for what you pour into us through our mothers. We thank you, Lord, that you are the one who's planned this and that you are glorified in it and the roles that you've given us and distinct roles to play. Father, we thank you, we praise you, and be exalted in all these things. And we exalt in you all the more. You're good. Lord, we just thank you that we can celebrate and honor our mothers in this country and in the in the world. And, and just thank you. Thank you for those godly mothers that you've given us. And, and even for those who uh, have never experienced a godly mother, that they can either be a godly mother or that they can raise a godly mother. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We bless you for your good. Help us, Lord, to be godly people of the book and to uh, value our mothers above gold for your name's sake and for your glory's sake. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.